Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. After more than six weeks of fighting, thousands of deaths and arguments and protests around the world, a deal has been reached and a ceasefire is expected, hopefully for at least four days. Hamas say they'll release 50 Israeli hostages, which they've held since the 7th of October. In return, 150 Palestinian people in prison in Israel will be freed. There'll be a pause in the hostilities in the Gaza Strip but once that agreement is uh, completed and ended, we will return to what we've been doing since October the 7th. The war will surely continue. Each night, Hamas will release the names of around 12 people they'll free on each of the four evenings, potentially followed by more if both sides maintain their ceasefire. In what's become known as Hostages Square in Tel Aviv, Family members of those held gather. On Wednesday, our World Affairs editor, Catherine Philp, heard of their agonising wait. So for us, we are in a nightmare for 47 days. We know as much as you know. Leah Yarnai is waiting to hear about her sister, Moran, a 40-year-old jewellery designer. I know that my sister was kidnapped on the 7th of October. There is a TikTok clip that you can see that she was kidnapped and begging for her life. And since then, I have no idea what is happening with her. So I really, really pray and hope that she will be released as soon as possible. But I'm happy for the ones that will be released. And Leah, can I ask, when the releases take place, will you be watching to see who comes across the border and whether your sister will be one of them? Listen, this is a very uh, crucial and difficult question to ask me. I, I, I don't know how to plan my mental state. I just know it's rocking and I know every minute my soul is being ripped apart. Seema knows that her family friend Itai won't be released in this group. He's a male hostage. And as things stand, only women and children will be released by Hamas. Everybody that is saved, it's good. <laughs> I'm afraid what's going to happen with the people who, are not, who won't be delivered today. So it's kind of bittersweet for you because you know that these women and children, that he won't be one of the people no, coming out. No, of course yep. not. He's the last in the... because they cons will consider him as a soldier. Will the deal hold? for four days. Could it perhaps even be extended? 
You're listening to Stories of Our Times, from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, the Israel-Gaza hostage deal explained. I am Catherine Philp, and I'm the Times' World Affairs Editor, and I'm currently in Tel Aviv. So, Catherine, in terms of where we are now, we're talking to you Wednesday mid-morning. Explain what's been announced in the last few hours. So last night, the Israeli cabinet convened to discuss an agreement that was on the table that had been brokered over approximately the last three weeks for the release of some of the Israeli hostages who are being held in the Gaza Strip, primarily by Hamas. And... The reason that those negotiations only began about three weeks ago was there was obviously a great deal of controversy over whether Israel should be negotiating with Hamas at all as a terrorist organization. Given that they had hostages and there was huge pressure from those hostage families, the decision was made to negotiate. Mm. Uh, The product of that negotiation is the agreement that was put before the Israeli government last night. That's then became a six-hour debate between members of Netanyahu's cabinet over whether to endorse the deal. And given the controversy over it, some opposition from the right of his coalition, everybody wanted to have their say. But essentially, it was a political process and there was no room really to, to reject specific terms of the agreement because it had been brokered. So, This went on almost all night. In the very early hours of the morning, the Israeli government was able to announce that the deal had been approved and would go ahead. And in terms of what's actually been agreed, what is is the plan as laid out? So essentially, the deal trades Israeli female and child hostages held by Hamas and other groups within the Gaza Strip for a pause in the conflict in Israeli bombardment and ground operations in Gaza. And they will be traded for Palestinian prisoners. Uh, A list has been drawn up by Israel. Most of them are 18 and under or female. And they will be released in a ratio of about three prisoners to every Israeli hostage that's released. This will go on in tranches over the course of the next, of, of the four days once it begins. They will be released in batches of about 12, 10 to 12 each day, and the Palestinians will be released in the other direction. The reason for staggering it over that time is to make sure that the ceasefire is observed by both sides. So if hostilities were to break out again, that could disrupt the the continued release of hostages. But as it stands, the deal should cover around 50 hostages to be released from the Hamas side and about 150 Palestinian prisoners Mm. uh, to be released from the Israeli side. Now, if that all goes smoothly, there is a willingness expressed in the agreement for it to continue at that pace. So we could be looking at a cessation of hostilities for longer than four days. Really depends how things pan out. And do we know why the ratio has settled to that three to one, sort of 150 Palestinian prisoners for every 50 Israeli hostages? Well, this is a process of bargaining that's been going on over the last, you know, 
week or so, where essentially in negotiations, each side lays out its sort of maximalist demands. So Israel would have started at one for one once it had conceded that it would release Palestinian prisoners in exchange for its own hostages. The one in three is likely to be a figure that's been met at in the middle. The most famous deal done of this kind previously was the release of an Israeli prisoner from Hamas, Gilad Shalit, who spent Mm. five years in custody. He was exchanged for a thousand Palestinian prisoners. Now, um, given that one of those is currently the leader of Hamas in Gaza, there was very strong resistance to anything on that scale ever happening again. So I think one to three is something that both sides can live with in the knowledge that they were never going to get ratios like they did Mm. for Shalit again. And I guess we have a clear understanding about who the Israeli hostages are at this point. But who are these Palestinian prisoners who have been held in Israel? Yeah. So um, we were expecting them all to be women and children, so under 18. In fact, the Israelis have released a list of 300 prisoners from which those to be released will come from. The reason I think they've gone for 300 is to show that they would be willing to continue this exchange beyond the 150 agreed over four days. Now, in that list, it's mostly male. I'm not entirely clear if that's because there aren't that as many Palestinian women in, in jail as they want or not, but they're mostly male and they're mostly 18 and under. So actually the bulk of them are 17 and 18. They're all people who have been imprisoned, convicted of crimes, usually of violence against Israeli security forces or civilians, but short of murder. So that actually includes an attempted murder. Now, to put that in context, if you're a Palestinian and you're subject to Israeli military law, you could receive a sentence of up to 20 years for throwing a a stone on a charge of attempted murder. So Mm. some of those people will come into that, but they're all terror charges, essentially, that they're under. But they do stop short of murder. And that was, again, a concession to the Israeli public who did not wish to see people convicted of murdering their loved ones released in this deal. And are these people who were arrested in the West Bank and will be released to the West Bank, or are any of them related to Gaza in any way? Yeah, I think it's likely we'll see both, but more likely that they will be from the West Bank. So they're much more likely to have arrested people in in the West Bank. That being said, they could include people who have been arrested in Gaza since the military operation began, since the ground invasion began. There have been arrests in Gaza. My suspicion is that they're more likely to be people who've been convicted of these acts rather than people picked up recently. But, you know, that's what we're dealing with. It is quite likely that there will be West Bankers amongst them. And obviously that's for Hamas brings them, they see a kudos amongst uh, Palestinians in the West Bank, not just in Gaza. Yeah. And this pause in fighting that, fingers crossed, will actually happen and will be a number of days, importantly, will allow some aid into Gaza. Is there some kind of agreement as well to actually open some of the crossings to allow that aid to go through? And do we know what kind of aid that's going to be and and, and how much? Mm. There's going to be 300 trucks a day allowed in through the Rafah crossing into Egypt. There'll be no opening of crossings into Israel. It will be humanitarian aid, medical aid, you know, food, the kind of things that you would hope would be going into Gaza, but have been very difficult to distribute under the bombardment. Critically, and this was one of the sticking points in negotiations, 
fuel will be allowed in in um, greater quantities than it has been now. Obviously, the blockade of fuel on Gaza has been catastrophic for civilians. Fuel has been needed to run generators, to power hospitals, to power water desalination so that people can drink water. I mean, these are the things that have been breaking down under the blockade. So bringing fuel in can restart those. It is, of course, contentious because of the fact that Hamas could lay its hands on that fuel and use it for military purposes. So there's some fairly strict protocols surrounding how it ought to be used. How have each side been spinning this? I mean, I've already read um, Hamas describing this as a truce. I've seen the Israeli government describe this as a pause. I mean, how are you seeing this being spun in public? And and what are you hearing from people reacting to this as well? I mean, I think there's, frankly, there's great relief in Israel from the public because the hostages' families have been very prominent and the pressure they've been putting on the government has been, you know, very public. And so I think that For them, there is relief that something's been done, but also the hostages' families are now in this horrible wasting game to see who's coming out and when they're coming out. And obviously everyone is going to want their loved ones out on that very first exchange because there is always a possibility that this could collapse in between. Mm. Obviously, both sides are spinning it as something of a victory, that they've got something they wanted out of it. I think Netanyahu's reaction is entirely to be expected that he's immediately doubled down on the fact that Israel will recommence its war against Hamas and its intention of eradicating Hamas as soon as this ceasefire is over. So, you know, despite the concessions, he's talking very tough that the military objective to eradicate, eliminate Hamas has not changed. Coming up, how did we get to this point where Israel and the terrorist group it has vowed to destroy can actually agree some kind of a deal? And should that give us hope that a more permanent end to the fighting might be on the horizon? More from Catherine in a moment. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So, Catherine, we've got this deal whereby there'll be a pause in fighting, which will allow, in a staggered fashion... The release in the first wave of about 50 hostages from Gaza, of Israeli hostages, and then also the release of about 150 Palestinian prisoners from Israeli custody. How did we get to this point? Because it's not the case that Israel and Hamas are speaking directly to each other. Take us into how this was brokered and and who are the players involved. Mm. So the lead mediator in this has been Qatar. Now, Qatar hosts a Hamas office in, uh, in Doha, in the Qatari capital, which is sometimes seen by outsiders or misunderstood by outsiders to be Qatari's, you know, fulsome support for Hamas. In fact, that office exists there at the request of the Americans. The purpose being for there to be somewhere, uh, a neutral place in which any negotiations or mediation could take place. So that's been quite important to have that there. Um, The Qataris are able to speak to all the parties involved. And all the parties involved do not speak to each other. So the Israelis no longer have any back channel to Hamas independently. They speak to the Qataris and the Qataris speak to Hamas. The other player that speaks to all sides except Hamas is the US, who's overseeing this whole process and has been heavily involved, obviously, you know, as an ally of Israel's. The US does not have these formal relationships with Hamas, which is why they asked Qatar to play that role. So Qatar has really been the one sort of shuttling back and forth between the sides with the US as the big brother overseeing the whole thing, steering essentially Israel into what concessions it thinks it ought to play. Egypt has also been involved in a kind of a backup channel, which is mostly between Egypt and the Israeli security establishment rather than the political side. But that's really more now more of a logistical back channel because the prisoner for hostage exchanges will take place over the Rafa border yes. into Egypt from Gaza. Th- that is logistically where all that will happen. So hostages coming out of Gaza will be um, met and you know have medical checks and all that stuff done. That will happen into Egypt. Yeah. So I guess they have to sort of be involved, haven't they? Um, it seems like from yeah. some of the reporting that this deal has happened in a large part because of the US and particularly President Biden pushing this forward. Is that fair? I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, President Biden's position in all of this is evolving, shall we say, because he came in very strongly behind Israel after the October 7th attacks and was very vocal in his support for Israel and its right to self-defense. And indeed, the US provides a huge amount of military aid for Israel. That, of course, you know, gives it some level of culpability in Israel's military response. And with such an enormous civilian death toll, it has been difficult for the US to sit back and watch that happen and not try and steer Israel in certain ways. Biden also met personally families of hostages before Netanyahu did. And he was very clearly very affected and moved by that. And he's spoken, you know, since this deal has been done, of how that personally affected him. Now, also, don't forget that a number of those 
hostages are in fact Americans or American-Israeli dual nationals. So they have the interest of looking after their own citizens there. And to demonstrate that, I think there's no better demonstration than that one of the hostages Biden would very much like to see in the first tranche to be released is a three-year-old, both of whose parents were killed by Hamas in the massacre of October 7th. So that is a toddler that will probably not be staying in Israel, will be going back to America. Take us into actually how all of this happened over the last few weeks, I think you said. Have there been many stop starts and moments where it's fallen apart? And do we know from each of the different nations involved how high ranking a person is actually doing the negotiating? I mean, is it left to sort of random State Department pencil pushers or, or who is it? The cell of people on each side actually dealing with this issue are, are fairly high level. You've got the CIH chief, Bill Burns. You've got the head of Mossad in Israel. You've got Jake Sullivan, the US national security advisor. You've got the head of Egyptian intelligence as well, who's been pushing Hamas over this. They're not necessarily the people who are in the, a room together. So it's not like these people all flew over to Qatar and are sitting in a room. Yes. But that is the level at which those decisions are being made, obviously being pushed back each time to the political level in each country to endorse whether it happens or not. The problem with that and why there were stops and starts is that, that that's the external leadership of Hamas that is based in Qatar. So Qatar can speak directly to the Hamas in Qatar, in Doha, but then that group of Hamas then have to speak to the leadership in Gaza. Probably the most significant obstacle or start-stop in this was when the Hamas leader, Yahya Simwar, was consulted within Gaza and broke off communications, actually completely stopped the negotiations for several days in a row. And there was fear that that actually might have been the end of the negotiations at all. That happened over the Israeli seizure of Al-Shifa Hospital, the main hospital in Gaza City, where Israel has long charged that Hamas has a command and control center, that there was a huge international backlash over the mm. site of Israeli troops taking over a hospital. And that was the moment at which Sinwar pulled back from negotiations for a few days, but ultimately restarted them. Also, in that difficult dynamic between the different bits of Hamas, how much of a negotiation is happening there, do we think, between the political wing in Doha and the actual military wing in the Gaza Strip? And when we're talking about hostages, I mean, do they have complete control of all the hostages that they have and where they are and know who they are? I mean, is there, there must be a lot of confusion there. It's not like it's got all the hostages together in one easy room where they can line them up and they know who they are. They are sort of scattered. That's correct. So one of the issues in this entire release plan is that Hamas is not actually in custody of all the women and children, mm. and they are the focus of this release. That is part of the reason, amongst others, for staggering it over four days. It gives Hamas the chance to lay its hands and on and take custody of those hostages that it's promising to release. Least. Some of them have been taken by a Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hamas is now pressuring them to hand them over. Some hostages, and again, I don't know if they're amongst the 50, but uh, some of them are in, in the hands of opportunistic groups who came through the fence on October 7th and grabbed people. So that, again, is, a, you know, that's another complication that could arise. But Hamas is the, is the party that's done the negotiating. 
In terms of the interactions between the Hamas leadership in Doha and on the ground, it's not just the Hamas military on the ground in Gaza, there's Hamas political leadership, and that's what Sinwar is. So they may have different interests in this. Now, I was speaking yesterday to Gershom Baskin, who is the Israeli who's had the most ever to do directly with Hamas. And he said to me that Sinwar knows he's not coming out of this alive. So it's not that Sinwar is necessarily negotiating for his own life because he's in Gaza. But being in Gaza, I think, gives you a very different perspective than being in the you know safe environs of uh, Doha and knowing that you're going to stay there and come out mm-hmm. of this alive. Sinwar was himself a prisoner. And when he was released in exchange for Shali, along with the uh, 999 others, he said, you know, that I have left the others behind and that I've, I vow today that I will make sure that I bring them all home. So that's his motive. Yeah. It's, it descri- Baskin described it as his life's mission to get them back. It's not necessarily such a life's mission for those based in Doha. So, mm. so they have different interests. Hmm. Just finally, Catherine, I mean, how much hope should we all have that this pause in the fighting will be longer than just a pause. I mean, should we have hope in the fact that there seems to now be a mechanism for the sides, albeit in a convoluted way, to talk and to agree for some good things to happen? I mean, should we take a lot of hope from that? I mean, I think merely to get to the end of the four days with each side having stuck to the terms would be an amazing accomplishment. Now, again, talking to Baskin about this, he pointed out that this is is one of the most bizarre negotiations you could imagine because Israel is negotiating with a side that it has said it plans to destroy. Um, So that's really unprecedented. Any other mediation of this kind has ended up with, you know, with a, a sort of ceasefire going forward. Israel is quite determined there will be no ceasefire until Hamas is destroyed. So, um, it, I mean, yes, there could be, it could be extended on an ad hoc basis day by day with more exchanges taking place. I think that that in the short term, you know, is the best that one can hope for. And that um, a pause that stops the, you know, killing of civilian casualties in Gaza can be extended because Hamas is handing back hostages. That's the only circumstances under which Israel is going to agree to there being a pause. Netanyahu has been very clear that as soon as this is over, they go back, they recommence the military offensive again and will not stop until Hamas is destroyed. Now, that may then entail further pauses in the future But the idea that this could end in a total ceasefire of the kind that we've seen at the end of previous conflicts just looks unrealistic to me because of that absolute, you know, unwavering commitment the Israeli government has made that they they plan to destroy Hamas and will not stop until that is done. What are you off to do now, Catherine? What's the plan for you today? To speak to hostage families. Mm who are waiting, obviously, because there's no, they don't know the identities, they don't know who's going to come out first. So obviously everyone's going to want their person to come out first. Hi, is that you, Fat? Ah, 
Hello. Yes. Hi there, this is Catherine from The Times. Hi. Thank you so much for speaking to me. I really appreciate it. Of course. When talking about the hostages, uh, so signing a deal, it's a step. But for me, for us as a family, until we don't see my cousin and her two beautiful boys alive, uh, we're not we're not celebrating it. Understood. Uh, and of course, her, her husband is uh, is not part of this deal, and uh, so our family is completely torn. Every soldier that dies, every ch child that dies in Gaza, every soldier that dies on our part, it kills me because I want this to be over. I really want this to be over. I can tell. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's unbearable. I was born on one part of this conflict, okay? But I was really, I was raised to, to read the other side of the book and to realize that, that whoever wrote the history book that I learned in school has a political agenda or, you know, uh, always ask questions and learn and see what the other side is thinking. And I would have never imagined this. Truly, I always said, no, they're not... They're not trying to kill us. They're in suffering and they they live through years of pain and but they won't kill us like this. They won't this won't happen to us. Yeah. And it sort of broke something inside of me, you know. I want to believe there are people like me on the other side who just want to coexist. And this is what keeps me even now in my darkest time, keeps me going. I'll raise my children here, hopefully. They will have maybe Palestinian friends one day. As of Wednesday night, the exact details and timing of the ceasefire had still to be ironed out by the parties. You have been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Luke Jones, and my guest, World Affairs Editor for The Times, Catherine Philp. If you're a subscriber, you can follow all of the reporting and the analysis of the hostage situation by not just Catherine, but the whole Times team in the Middle East at thetimes.co.uk. This episode was produced by Taryn Siegel, with production help from James Shield. The executive producer was Kate Ford, and sound design was by Tom Birchall. Stories of our times at thetimes.co.uk is our email should you wish to contact us. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.